The SportsZilla Show starts now. Okay, another car ride, another opportunity to practice my DJ ramp-ups. 95.5 WPET, you got Peter the Riff Griff shocking you and rocking you while I'm sitting here talking to you. It's 75 and sunny, which means our street squad's going to be out looking for them super stickers. If you don't got one, get down to Linoleum Depot this Saturday from 9 to 2. I'll be there hooking you up. Slap one on your car, win 100 bucks. Now I'm looking around and I'm seeing the spin doctors with not one, but two princes. Nailed it. I'm going to throw you now to Weenie in the Butt in the afternoon. Weenie in the Butt in the afternoon. In the afternoon. Oh, my God. WQHG. Turn it on and rip the knob off. You're listening to the radio. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Clearly the sound effect at the end of that was um, released and emanated by the bot. We weren't weaning the butt yesterday. We're scooping Rain and I, I Matt, the glue guy. I think maybe you're making an assumption there. Hmm. Because doesn't that happen to people 14 times a day, as reported earlier on the Dan Levitard show? That is, yeah, that's the average, isn't it? Yeah. I think that is the average. So it could have been Weenie or it could have been the butt. We could explore that. We still have to determine who's who. I think, as you've stated earlier, it just depends on the day. It's Friday the 13th, which uh, brings me to this. I thought I would share something with you. Got some... Cool Friday the 13th remixed trappish kind of beats. Give us a vibe. There's a reason for that. Four great things happened on Friday the 13th. I wanted to give this to you really quick. First heavy metal album was released. Black Sabbath's first album came out on Friday the 13th, 1970. The official birth of heavy metal, that is the album that kind of is considered to be the standard bearer or what started metal music. The grandfather of metal music. Of course, Ozzy's involved. And uh, next, you're going to say that it's Taylor Swift's birthday. Uh, I wasn't going to say that. Is that a fact? Is it Taylor Swift's birthday? I believe so. It's also Amy Lee of FNS. It's uh, her birthday as well. Oh, I believe Taylor Swift is 30 today. I uh, the dirty 30 isn't that what they call it? I don't know. I, I hugged Amy Lee once. A cute little thing. She's married now to like a, a lawyer or something like that. Even though she dated at one point Sean Morgan to see her. I interviewed her on her tour bus once. And literally, imagine a bus, a Greyhound bus. That was her bus. The entire thing was covered and littered with feminine undergarments and her clothes scattered everywhere. And when I stepped into this bus, I immediately was self-conscious and felt like I was intruding on her personal space. Well, you were. As sweet and kind as she was, I'm like looking at her uh, undergarments everywhere. And I'm like, okay, like, this is weird. I have a lot of questions I'll ask you off of the radio on the Twitch cameras. When I say it was covered with feminine undergarments, I every seat, every seat. Imagine a hoarder's home filled with underwear, but in a bus. She has a lot of underwear. It was ridiculous. I was like looking around like it freaked me. Okay, kind of like evil Susan Waldman from yesterday is inappropriate for the radio, but it worked on Twitch. I'm going to ask some questions okay. after our first break in a few minutes. I see. I'm, I'm good for a, a driving the car off the road here. Sorry about that. No, th- no, no. That's okay. I do it sometimes, too. We're back on the road. We've re-entered the highway. Would you say you're switching gears? Yes. We're moving on. Friday the 13th. We're moving back to where we were. We had to merge over. There was a 
I don't know, accident or something. Tractor trailer fire on the throughway. Good again. Friday the 13th. The second great thing that's happened on Friday the 13th. Super Mario Brothers, for the first time, was released 1985 in Japan. It was a Friday the 13th. Duh. One of the few video games I've actually played. A lot of great birthdays, too. Uh, let's see here. Steve Buscemi. Uh, these are not the ones you listed. That's why I'm bringing these up. Uh, Olsen Twins. Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Christopher Plummer. And Darius Rucker. Do you know who he is? Hootie. Hootie. Everybody thinks his name is Hootie. It's Darius Rucker. Uh, of course, one famous person that was not born on Friday the 13th of note is Alfred Hitchcock. You would think that that was the case. It is a rumor, actually, but it's hashtag fake news. Not true at all. Was born on a Sunday, August 13th, but it was a Sunday in 1899. And the fourth great thing about Friday the 13th, we're getting ready for a weekend. Get through it. Get through it, and you got a weekend. There you go. There's a bunch of nonsense about Friday the 13th that you didn't really need to know, but I decided to tell you. And you nothing know? about sports. It was sort of about sports. Was it? Right. Was there, was there any birthdays that were sports-related? Well, Dion Waiters is uh, unlucky. He wears a hockey mask, people. Hello. Oh, there's a tie-in. Hello. You want to talk about Dion Waiters first, or do you want to talk about the teddy bears? Because I just want to get this out of the way. Do the teddy bears. Yeah, because... That, that, that's a kind of a fun thing. We need more fun. Yeah, because we got to get into a serious situation in a second, and I'd rather yeah, get the fun out of the way, the smiles out of the way. So you're in a good mood when we talk about what happened with Dion. Teddy bear toss palooza is what I like to call it. Have you noticed everybody either just had is having today or will be within the next few days a teddy bear toss. Like, I don't, I remember an occasional teddy bear toss here and there, but it seems like now everybody is doing teddy bear tosses. Didn't it start with the Hershey Bears? And yeah. I believe they had theirs this past weekend, but weren't they the first to do it? It's an insane amount of bears. Like, it's the game that you go to if you're in... You're on ice level in the lower level. You don't want to be there because you're just getting pelted with bears. Because, like, say somebody's 50 rows back or a level up. They throw it. It hits somebody in the head. Like, oh, they throw it. It goes up 10 more rows, hits somebody else. Then they throw it forward. So it's not even just, you know, you throwing your bears onto the ice. You're then responsible for throwing hundreds or thousands of other bears that get thrown towards the ice behind you. You are Joel Embiid. You're offensive rebounding. Yeah, everybody, like... It's crazy. I guess that's better than getting hit in the head with a puck during the chuck-a-puck thing that teams do. I've had that happen to me before numerous times. I mean, if you're down there like in the third row and some kid is up top and he throws it and his arm isn't that strong and you take a puck in the back of the head. Have you ever participated in chuck-a-puck and not tried to hit the people that are on the ice accidentally? I'm doing quotes, by the way. If you're on Twitch, I'm doing quotes. Accidentally. I didn't mean to hit you. I have only watched Chuck a Puck with glee and complete <laughs> and total uh, fascination. It's like when you go to the driving range and the, you know the dude that drives the cart that's trying to clean up all the golf balls and you hit the driving range? You know you're trying to hit that guy. If he's driving by the 150 marker, you're like, all right, what club can I hit 150? You know you're trying to do that. Yeah, they're always trying to hit the people on the ice if they can. Absolutely. So do you bring a 50-pound bear with you and just try to chuck it? You've got to bring one of those giant, like I went to Darien Lake and can't fit this in the back of my car because all of my family is with me. This is an actual true autobiographical Heads story. Up. <laughs> of my, my oldest daughter a few years ago, we were at Darien Lake. She won the biggest stuffed bear I've ever seen in my entire life. And we got like a, you know, like a van, like a boring because so many raindrops, so many kids. I thought you were going to say a village. But we, still, we still could barely fit 
the bear and the family, like everybody in the back row is like my, my kids are like leaning forward because we couldn't fit. The bear was so big. I mean, you need one of those giant, massive SUVs if you're going to win a bear of that size. You can't throw that one under the ice. No. You probably want to keep that one, don't you? You've got to have other bears to throw when it comes to the teddy bear toss. So did you have to ride on the roof of of your car? No, no, no. We were able to squeeze in, but it was not a comfortable ride, and it's approximately three and a half hours from home, so it was not fun. Dion Waiters, uh, let's go there now. We're good. We're done with the fun. What's up? Well, we know he's now been suspended for a third time this season. A couple of facts. Uh, This just put out within the last hour by Ira Winderman of the South Florida Sun Sentinel. So this is in Miami Heat country. All right. Number one, the penalties monetarily, what that amounts to, $83,500 Increments of that amount for each of the 17 games he has now been suspended. It's a lot of money, okay? So what do the Miami Heat do? Do they just try to get rid of him? There are options, okay? Uh, the suspensions don't provide any future salary cap or luxury tax relief. Uh, if the Heat were to waive Dion, he would receive the full remaining balance of his contract. Uh, as would be the case if he were traded. Now, they could try a buyout, but what's the incentive for Dion Waiters to do that? Especially when he's salty, you know what I mean? He's, there, he's obviously not going to be happy about being suspended for well, the first, second, or third time. You're, you're assuming he's salty. Maybe he's actually uh, remorseful and feels bad. Uh, we don't know what exactly happened. True. But there is an element of the collective bargaining agreement which would allow the Miami Heat to get rid of a player or any NBA team to get rid of a player. It's paragraph 16A1 of the NBA uniform player contract. And oh, it's, it's my favorite article. <laughs> it, it's this whole thing. Essentially, it's about, you know, uh, good moral character, personal conduct, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's a thing they can do. All right. So it's the character clause. Exactly. This is where I, I got really interested. A person familiar with Dion Waiter's transgression, told this reporter, uh, and this guy's familiar with the transgression, what he did apparently, and this clause that I just mentioned, and the implications of, has told this reporter that the Players Union noted that the Players Union was able to get Latrell Sprewell's termination overturned after he choked his coach. Do you remember that? Everybody remembers that. Yeah, P.J. Carlissimo. And, but also noted the uniqueness of the waiter situation and the myriad elements involved. So there's a lot of things going on here. That says to me that they'll try to make peace. Both sides will probably try to make peace. I wonder what he did that was so bad this time. I, did, I don't know. Did he argue with Spolstra, the coach? Did he have another incident with the THC gummies? Was it another player? Was he just late for something? There's yeah, the possibilities. I, I suppose it's eventually going to come out. I Did like, he get on the wrong side of Pat Riley? Yeah, he might have done that too. I would like to point something out though. The Miami Heat are second in the Eastern Conference with a record of 18 and 6, and Deion Waiters has barely played. Do you know what that says? Jimmy Butler's the man. It says that, and it says we don't necessarily need you, Dion. Maybe you need to, if if he's if it's an attitude issue type of thing, uh, insubordination type of thing. It means 
you need to get in line here and you need to act like a pro and be a little bit more mature and grow up because we don't need you, period. We can do this without you. You'll get your money, fine, we'll give you your money, but we don't need you. And I assume that you're in the prime of your career, 27 years old, that you would like to play NBA basketball. And if this is an issue, good luck when this contract's up and you're only 28 years old. He's only got one year left on it. Well, good luck. I guess for us to find out what really happened, we have to wait for Dion's mom to say something. She's the, <laughs> she is the one, huh? Uh, and now it's another question, too, because we asked Bayheim. He joined us on Tuesdays. You know, what's going on with Dion? And, hey, it was nice to see him. He came up. He, he sought the counsel of Jim Bayheim, spent a little time in Syracuse while he was suspended. And I remember with the first suspension having asked Bayheim about that, he hadn't seen Dion yet. And then a few days later, the second suspension, and then here he is. I wonder what happens this time. Does he come back to Syracuse again? How does he deal with this suspension? I, Do we know how long the suspension is? Six games. She, uh, six games for the third time. Okay. He probably ought to hang tight in Miami and try to mend faces, uh, mend, mend faces, mend fences with some FaceTime with Pat Riley and uh, the Miami Heat office. Look, I, I'm just surprised after he came here and talked to Coach Bayheim, got a little counsel. I'm surprised that this happened. Now, is it possible that Dion did something egregious? Yes. Is it possible that the Miami Heat are just sick of his business? I could use another word. Mm-hmm. And maybe are going a little in heavy-handedly on Dion. I think that's possible, too. Well, that's just, a, that's just a, could it be double-teaming by Spolstra? He laid down the first suspension, and now Pat Riley's doing it, or vice versa. You know, we don't know any of that. I think it boils down to what you said in large part, that, hey, the Miami Heat are doing pretty well without him. You know, so maybe they're going to look into trying to jettison him or trade him. I don't know how good... You know, what kind of value he'd have given all these transgressions. To the Cavs for Kevin Love. I that's not happening. That's that's a lopsided deal and, and, and I just don't think the Cavs would take him, you know. I mean if they put a first round pick with him, I don't think they care. Uh well we'll, well see. Well, yeah, there's a, yeah. if you loaded it up with some picks. Yeah, everybody has a price. I think that's fair to say. Make sweeten the deal, make the price right. I, I you can deal with anything. I think K-Love is going to go to a contender if he can. Well, I want to revisit Syracuse-Georgetown since we're kind of sort of on the subject of Syracuse basketball with Dion being a former player. I just want to point out Nico Tamurian, who's a name we'll mention for you when we come back into our next segment. But um, he put a tweet out with uh, an interesting little tidbit about Bayheim and Patrick Ewing. He, Jim Bayheim, told me the only reason why he's doing this, continuing the series, this is what he said to Pat Ewing, is because I'm the one that's calling, which just makes me happy we're going to keep getting this rivalry from time to time and reliving that it's so important to the fan base, you can't stress it enough. There's nothing more fun than talking about how much the Georgetown Hoyas suck. Yes, we love to hate on the Tar Heels, and we love to hate on Duke and teams like that now, but that still means a lot to guys and ladies and fans of a certain age. Let's take our first break of the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We'll revisit that subject, but we got to talk some football next. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Tomorrow after SU Georgetown, it's the Verdict Lexus Verdict BMW Basketball Postgame Show with Seth Everett and Eric Devendorf. They're going to take your calls after every 
SU Hoops game this season. And you'll hear the Jim Beheim press conference as well as part of that broadcast. So Syracuse, Georgetown, let's just continue or at least uh, finish up our conversation about that before we get into this. There's a lot going on in the NFL, isn't there, always. But the, the rivalry is still important. I think that's kind of where we left off. Pat Ewing being the head coach helps continue this rivalry. There's more ACC games now. The schedule went from 18 to 20, which obviously means you got to be a little bit more choosy in who you can make as part of your non-conference schedule, I guess. And you need quality wins. Okay, Right now, Ken Palm rankings, they're 46. I'm talking about Georgetown. Could end up at the end of the season if you're on the bubble and it's tournament time. Does Syracuse get a bid? Well, beating Georgetown might be a quality non-conference win that will help them out. Teams won two games since they lost two of their top scorers as well with all of the other extracurriculars and off-court issues that they've had. You heard Jim Beheim say it. We talked about it the other day with him. We've talked about it ourselves. It actually has galvanized this team. It didn't crumble this team. Pat Ewing has kept them together. It's a good team right now. This is a test, and it's a road game, Scoop. They're big. They're physical. SU's going to have to make their threes. They're going to have to get off to a quick start like they did against Georgia Tech. They need Elijah Hughes to be hot again. And then, uh, like Buddy Beheim, well, we we need first-half scoring, too, not just second-half scoring. You know, JG3, need him to have a better game. The, the, The role players... You know, that did so well against Georgia Tech. Marak and Barama. Because oh, rebounds are going to be very important. Quincy Garrier. We need depth. We need depth scoring, not Quincy, just the usual suspects. Quincy was a little quiet against Georgia Tech. Need him to, right. to make his presence known in this game. Let's not get into foul trouble early. Let's make everybody available to be on the court when they need to be on the court. Uh, Elijah Hughes, are, do we rely on another 30-something point game and Buddy chipping in, you know, 25, or are we going to get some depth scoring? That's one of the biggest concerns. You were looking at the same numbers that I was. If they don't make threes, they don't win. That's just the way it is with Syracuse. Also, the thing of note, there's been no close games this year. You know, so I, we don't know who's going to hit some clutch foul shots. Historically, there's so always... living and dying on the three. Yeah, there's always been uh, the... The storyline that SU isn't good at shooting free throws. Now, Jim Beheim has debated that issue. I've been a little salty, been a little typical Jim, but they know everybody average. I mean, and yeah, you can look at numbers, but overall, that's always kind of been a thing. We've never had a premier free throw shooting team. So when it comes down to crunch time, if this is a close game, who are those guys that can handle those pressure situations? If it's coming down to fouls, at the end of the game, in the last you know couple of minutes or, or whatever, last minute, see who wins this game. If it's a one-possession game, I don't know who's going to be able to do that and who's not because there's no close games this year. Every, everything's double digits, win or lose. Free throws are big when you consider against Georgia Tech, SU made 25 of 30. And when you look at the fact that Elijah Hughes, Buddy, JG3, Howard Washington were 15 for 15 at the free throw line. And that is not typical. That is an outlier type of performance generally from the free throw line for Syracuse. Would like that to become typical. Absolutely. That's gets kind of the point. If they're going to foul you, get get the point. Let's get, not, the, get the two points. Let's not us commit fouls. Let's make sure we get some rebounds. Let's be active on that zone. I mean, overall, I think 
I think defensively they've been okay as far as stopping shooters for the most part. I'm not saying 100%. They're going to deal with a big guy again like they did in the Penn State game. So, I mean, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to this game. Yeah, when you How got, they respond to that and what they learned from that Penn State game. Yeah, how to defend bigger, stronger players down low has clearly been an issue. We don't have a guy on the roster to counteract that quite yet. I'm, you hope that Merrick and Barama can get it done. Can, can do that. So that's a that's a test for them, and you know I think they can. And you know Beheim's working on that with the team. Yeah, of course it is. It's going to be a focus. You know, it, it, everything is everything runs off of the defensive effort, and, and that's primarily what defense is. Even with a two-three zone or man-to-man or whatever scheme you're playing, it's effort. Defense is effort. If you're trying a little bit harder, generally. You're going to make the defensive play. Yes, James Harden, effort. Uh, he tries when he's on offense, that's for sure. The Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I'm Rain Scoop is here. It's a Friday the 13th spooky, scary, creepy um, movie series, or I guess. There's a lot of sequels to those movies. Matt, the glue guy is in here. But now, what do we do, guys? Are you Triska Decaphobic? Yeah, that, that's what that is. Friday, fear of Friday the 13th. Fear of the number 13, yeah. I think that is. Yeah, something along those lines. What do we do here, guys? We switch gears. We switch gears. Moving on. NFL, last night, Thursday Night Football. Ravens, Jets. Uh, they crushed the Jets, the Ravens did. What, he threw for five? Yeah. Uh, broke Mike Vick's rushing record for a quarterback. He's over 1,000 now. There was a come-to-Jesus jersey swap after the game where, like, so many guys in the Jets had Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. What was the other nickname for him, too? El Freaky. That's what Mark Ingram You know, they made a big deal. There was a big deal made of, you know, almost like this reception line that he had after the game. These Jets players trading jerseys, getting uh, autographed jerseys. But I've seen uh, guys do that with Tom Brady before. Oh, right. sure. You know, he's even told guys, hey, I'll email you or I'll just mail you a jersey because I gave it to someone else already. I think he did that with Odell and Baker. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen this happen before with, you know, the guys that are considered to be goats. He's He got popped, though. You brought that up. Well, here's the thing. On the run where he broke the record. Yeah. He took a nice little shot. Now, he, he jumped right up, okay? But that's the thing I worry about. I worry about RG3 and what happened to him. Look, we've, we've talked on this show and, and other sports talk shows ad nauseum about how the NFL doesn't want to pay running backs anymore. Well, Lamar Jackson isn't just a quarterback. He's a running back. Oh, for sure. Okay. Dual threat. He, he's a hybrid of that position. And... <laughs> Those guys get killed. Number one, they're trying to kill you because you're the quarterback. You start running the ball, he's going to take shots. Now, to his credit, he has shown some amazing ability to be elusive. Like I was, a, I was a detractor. I'll admit it. You know, I wasn't ready to anoint him at week eight with the MVP like a lot of people were. He's still got to make it to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, was that your Browns bias showing up? Uh, but yes, absolutely. In part because. But he's obviously a great player. He's gotten better and better every week. The Ravens have have won 10 in a row now. Uh, I think the Bills gave him a good game. And, you know, they're going to have to play the Chiefs, maybe. And they lost to the Chiefs earlier this year. 
The Chiefs are a good matchup for him. I think the Patriots are a good matchup for him when they play again. They're going to have to play the Browns again next week. I don't think the Patriots have the offense to beat them. That's just me. Sorry. Don't turn my microphone off. Okay, but what about the defense? If Lamar Jackson is not the quarterback of that team, their chances to win a Super Bowl are altered significantly. Their chances to win a Super Bowl don't exist anymore. It won't happen. And all it takes is a little tweak of this or that. He's already got a sore quadricep. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You know, and that shot when he when he made the record last night, I'm thinking that's a pretty good shot to his head there. You know, eventually you I, blow I just, a tire, as you've said before. Let will me, the Browns target that quadricep next week? I think everybody will. I think everybody's going to. You know, look if you're a defense, uh, a defensive player, and you're on D, you want to knock that guy out of the game. It means you win. Yep. It's like it gives you a good chance to win the game. So now they say we don't have bounties and all that stuff. But you want to drive that guy into the turf a little bit harder, you know. You want to, you want to rub his nose in the in you the grass. You want RG three to be the quarterback aside from you, you know. Of course. So here's Mark Ingram interviewing El Freaky, El Jax, Lamar Jackson post game with Aaron Andrews as we uh, wrap up our. I, I don't know what what is this? We're fawning all over our, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Hey, we're fangirling. Freaky L, a.k.a. Action Jackson, a.k.a. Era A Apparel. All right, L, man, you broke Mike Vick's rushing record, man. You the AFC North champions for the second year in a row. How I feel, man? Tell me how I feel, L Freaky. Um, it feel good, but, you know, we, we got a lot of season left to play, and, and we got we got two more um, banners to hang up. And so you're telling me the story unwritten? Unwritten right now. Book unfinished. Right. Congratulations, brother, on breaking Mike Vick's record and being the GOAT, the MVP that you are. Hey, hey, man, Thursday Night Football. In America, back to you in the studio. <laughs> that was awesome. I like that he broke Mike's Vic record. I've done that too. Talked a little bit too fast. Hey, he's excited. He just played a 60 minute football game. A great teammate. Lamar Jackson is a great teammate. Just listen to him. He's a class act. The Sports Illusion ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Couple other significant NFL games and teams to talk about next. It's the Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Sunday Night Football featuring the, you know, there was a long time because there was a long stretch when the Buffalo Bills did not make the playoffs. I mean, it was forever. It was the better part of two decades. But now they're a pretty decent team right now. And, of course, you're looking at a potential playoff run this year. They've got Pittsburgh, not with Ben Roethlisberger, but still a team uh, that Mike Tomlin has kept focused. They've won some games. It'll be a good test. They're probably going to follow the Baltimore Ravens' plan of blitzing Josh Allen quite a bit because he has struggled. Baltimore just blitzed and blitzed and blitzed and blitzed, and he had statistically, statistically, let me try that again, statistically, one of his worst games of the year, if not his worst game of the year. So you know that's what they're going and to do. And Pittsburgh is a, an aggressive team to begin with. But they are getting a nationally televised feature game. It's a great thing for Buffalo and the Bills and circling the wagons and the Bills Mafia and all that. And I wonder if they'll have some cameras and show us a little bit of that fun. Because yeah, I just think, even in road games, I, I think Bills Mafia jumps off of things through tables like in their backyards. You and have I'm, to. I, I would imagine so, yeah. I'm serious. I know when I was off, you guys were asking, like, how many tables roughly do you think get broken on a Bills tailgate? And I'm personally wondering, you guys said hundreds of tables? I don't know, maybe 
20 tables get broken, maybe? You being realistic? I think so. I wonder. I wonder what the... I, I, Devon, Sunday, get the tables. Don't you want to go at, like, say say the game ends, you know, with 1 o'clock game, it ends at 4. Go over there and look at the parking lot at, like, 6. See how many tables are just busted in half. How trashed everything is. It's got to be just, oh, terrible. Just awful. I think the Bills have a couple things they can do to win this game. Against the black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, bumblebee, Pittsburgh the Steelers. The black and gold, yeah. Is it gold? Uh... Look, they got a great defense in Pittsburgh. Sure. You got to go into Pittsburgh Sunday night. Fans are always amped up there. I think you want to get out to a good start. Mm -hmm. You cannot uh, turn the ball over, and that's what Pittsburgh's going to try and do. They're going to try and force turnovers uh, against the Ravens. I think it was six sacks, and they hit Josh Allen 12 times. The offensive line said in the wake of that, we got to protect him better. Well, we'll see how they do this week. I think the Achilles heel for Pittsburgh is their tackling skills in the defensive secondary. So if they can get John Brown or uh, Beasley out there with a little bit of space, and and the mid-range passing game is good for the Bills. I was saying, don't you think that's really who they are, though? I don't think they're they're a a deep threat type of team. They're they're not good with the deep threat passes yet. I mean, maybe, maybe that all comes together. It'd be great if it did. But not okay. many teams are good at throwing the deep ball anyways. And it's true too. And I think Josh is the on a learning curve where he's going to get better and better and better and better. So I think the the Steelers can be exploited in the defensive secondary with with passes or some guys in space and then they can make a miss. I also think that Devlin, the the Steelers quarterback, that the Bills defense needs to do what the Steelers defense is trying to do to Josh Allen. Hit him, force turnovers, force mistakes. This is not a guy with a lot of, you know, fantastic experience either. This is not Ben Roethlisberger. So you make him think more so than just read and react. You yeah. gotta, you gotta push, you know, send passers after him because if he's sitting there going, "Oh crap," he's not looking downfield anymore. He's watching out for his own well-being. I, I think the Bills did a, a relatively good job on defense against Lamar Jackson. That's you know. He's going to get what he gets to Listen, some extent. You're not you're not up against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, even though Josh Allen is not a finished product. I still choose him to be my quarterback going into this game, and I think they have a distinct advantage at that position. And if they just play their normal, typical defense, I don't see any reason that Buffalo doesn't win this game. Let me um, move on, switch gears real quick. The Giants game against Miami features, for the second week in a row, a starting quarterback by the name of Eli Manning. I wasn't sure because they were letting you think Daniel Jones is getting healthier, he's healing up, but they're like, no, we're not we're not doing that. Eli's going to get the start against Miami. Will he win? God, they, even as bad as they are, they can beat Miami. They should, but if they lose this game, Pat Shermer may be fired on the plane ride home, a.k.a. Like the last Knicks coach before Fizdale. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be the final straw. I'm also seeing some stuff where they're saying maybe Gettleman will survive, and they're definitely going to use Shermer. I as, think Gettleman's going to survive too as the scapegoat. He seems to have the respect of ownership of Tish and Mara and all that. Janoris Jenkins though was released because Goodbye. because I mean what he said was stupid. He insulted a fan 
of the team, did it on social media. Used a slur. He used a slur, a, a word you don't say in 2019. Janora said this is the best thing that ever happened to him on social media, too. Well, good for him. You know, now he's salty when he just a few years ago, the best thing ever was signing that big deal, the free agent deal with the New York Giants, whatever. It's a distraction they don't need. They're 2-11. and 11. Uh, they don't need that guy. He hasn't. He hasn't brought him any wins. He's just no. He's not. He's just gonna. He's just gonna ruin the, the locker room for the remainder of the season. You don't want to deal with his attitude. They cut their losses, addition by subtraction, and all he had to do was say, "Hey, uh, you know what? I was stupid on my part. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry." That's all he had to do. But it is what it is. I so. wish I had the South Park. Uh, sorry. 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 I'm really, really sorry. That's all you have to do. You don't have to mean it. You just have to make them believe you mean it. Yep. It's all you have to do, but he didn't want to do that. Some stuff related to the NBA is what we're going to get to next. Let's take our break here on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Lights on the Lake is happening. Wegman's Lights on the Lake, Onondaga Lake Park, a two-mile drive through some beautiful Christmas lights. Central New York's number one holiday tradition happening Monday through Sunday, 5 to 10 p.m. More info at lightsonthelake.com. Scoop the Hoyas sucked when Carmelo Anthony was on the team. They sucked when Deion Waiters was on the team, and they're going to suck even more tomorrow when they lose to the Cuse. Former player, if not the greatest player to ever play in the program. At least he's up in that discussion. The number's retired. He's currently a member of the Blazers. Maybe, just maybe, that number gets retired for the Denver Nuggets. But Carmelo Anthony had 20 last night, even though the Blazers lost to Carmelo's former team, the Denver Nuggets, with Hassan Whiteside chipping in 33. 20 points, though, for Melo. said that one game, I think one or two games with nine points, but overall, just solid contributions from him, and I'm happy to see it. He's usually in uh, double digits scoring-wise. He said he would like for his jersey to be retired as a Nugget and as a Nick. Uh, I think they're more amenable to that in Denver. I don't know about in New York because uh, people want to complain about how bad the team has been. But that's not his fault. It was bad before he got there and bad after. They had that one season where they got to 54 wins with Mike Woodson as the coach, they like Marcus Camby came in and all, you know all that. But other than that, he did. Was that with uh, Mars Stoudemire? Yeah, correct. During that era, but but overall, the the Knicks really just didn't get any better. However, his arrival in Denver for the first what seven years of his career, they were a perennially very good playoff team. He made that team much better. It didn't work out as well. In New York, you know, I love I love articles talking about the trade between the Nuggets and the Knicks, and they they kind of ask who won that trade. But really, both teams won that trade. the The Nuggets got better with a lot of the picks and players that New York gave them, and obviously, New York got Mello and Chauncey Billups for a short period of time. I was going to say, but didn't it wasn't really there was nothing else surrounding them. Chauncey's always been a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. He was more prime age in. Denver, but they didn't really have anything else on that. I mean, that wasn't the Amari Stoudemire that was on the Phoenix Suns at the time. Agreed. I don't know that he ever had, for the majority of his Knicks career, the talent surrounding him to be a good basketball Well, he team. never had the point guard, that's for sure. And you also uh, you didn't have the inept management or ownership of the Denver Nuggets like the New York Knicks do with James Dolan. Please, for the love 
of all that is good and holy, sell that Did you see that he fell asleep during a league meeting? Yes, he did. He's terrible in every way, shape, and form. It is the worst sports franchise, professional sports franchise in North America. Can't they use the character clause on him and get him out? There's got to be something that they can do because it's just, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And Knicks fans are so thirsty for something to cheer for. Remember Jeremy Lin? Yeah, of course. How, how... Lynn sanity, Lynn yeah, sanity. The the, the fan, fanaticism over him in that one season, that one part of a season, and then he just became a journeyman, basically. Yeah. So I guess in a sense they were sort of right about that. But he but, won a ring last year with Toronto. He sure did. I don't know how much he played and contributed to that ring, but he was Doesn't on matter. the he was on the roster. Uh, you know what? He probably got to hang around with Drake, so that's like winning twice. Is An- it though? <laughs> Andre Drummond. Of the Detroit Pistons. Avocado injury. Almost missed a game due to an allergic reaction to avocado. I don't know. Did he wipe it in his eye? Did it make his hands react bad and he touched his hand? Something happened. I've never heard of an avocado almost taking a professional athlete out of a game. That is, Is he uh, trying the uh, TB12 diet? I don't know if that's part of it or not. It's just the weird, the bizarre, and the strange as far as... I mean, it's not even like load management... You're like, really? Is he hurt? What are you trying to do? Prevent injury? Okay, but this dude... And Andre Drummond's a big guy. It's not like he's just some 5'6 guy. Was it Taco Tuesday and he wanted avocado or he was making guac for... I mean, what's going on? Maybe he's got an allergy and that was how he discovered he's got an allergy. I think ultimately that's what had to have happened. I mean, did he routinely eat avocado or is this just a one-time incident? Did he accidentally touch the avocado? Maybe he was at a friend's house or maybe his girlfriend, wife, I don't know, had an avocado. It's just an odd way to not play in a game. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that before. The Celtics lost to the 76ers. Wait for it. Wait for it. Again. Again. That's twice now. Um, What's going on? First loss at home, right? Yes, it was the first loss at home. It it was a good game. It really was. But the Sixers, uh, they just have a lot of talent. Oddly enough, uh, Al Horford did not play for the Sixers last night. Well, that's certainly going to hurt them overall. MB, Joel Embiid, 38-13, they beat the Sixers. Of course we get the game that Embiid goes off where he doesn't score any points. That would have been nice, but it didn't happen. Yeah, that you're not going to see that happen very often. Well, but, he's motivated by Shaq and, and Barkley and the criticism. Oh, they were giving him praises after the game. It, it, yeah, because he actually, I think, responded pretty well to that and said, hey, you know, uh, I, I like what they had to say. I need to be better. I, I can be better. Sometimes it's a, it's focus, a little bit of maturity, and 100% effort every single second that you're on the court because they were basically saying, listen, you are freakishly talented and should be one of the best basketball players on a consistent nightly basis, game after game after game after game. Joel Embiid is a freak of nature. I mean, he can do it all. He really can. You you think he should be in that AD conversation. You know, a freakishly big guy with a skill set of a much smaller Agreed. man. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect somebody that size to be as good as he is at so many different facets of the game. We've got to take our break. We've got to turn things over to Brent Axe. We're out of time. See you Monday at 3, the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.